Father, we're thankful this morning that you give us as your children an opportunity to go to your word. We know that we're all to study. You told uh, Timothy to study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed to rightly dividing the word of truth. So we know all of us need to study. Uh, but we're, Father, we're thankful that we can have this time where the word is broken, um, that we can be refreshed, that we can be reminded. Father, I know that many here this morning have studied all of this many, many times. But Father, we pray that there might be something that uh, we haven't seen before, something that you'll show us or something that uh, will help us today spiritually as we know we are weary in this world today. The way the world is living and the way um, not just, of course, lost people, but the way believers are living, Christians are living, is sometimes wearisome to see. So, Father, help us to get the strength that we need to help us to say yes to you and no to self so that you're uh, pleased and that at the judgment seat we might hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father, this is our prayer. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, picking up where we left off five weeks ago. And in this 15th chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, we're starting this morning in verse 35. Um, you might note that as often, Paul uses agricultural things to explain things. Uh, um, I, I think it's obvious why he does that. Uh, obviously, he's inspired by God to do it, but especially in the first century, more people were agricultural. I think that was the case up until a few decades, even in uh, the United States of America and most of the world. Uh, my parents had a small garden, but young people today don't really don't know anything about it. You ask where vegetables come from, if you ask a little child, and they'll say the store, because that's where most of us go and get our things. We don't grow them ourselves. Um, but most people were familiar with agricultural things, and although the literal um, scientific word would be biology, you know, the study of life, so I had that in ninth grade, all of you probably remember in school. Um, but I think we can relate to what Paul is using here as an example to try to answer the question about the resurrected body. So we know that's what he's going to be talking about here, starting in verse uh, 35. He has been talking about the resurrection, and in this first part of the chapter, as we looked at, he's gone on about the idea that what if there is no resurrection? Because there were people who were saying they didn't believe in it. You know, the Sadducees didn't believe in it. A lot of people didn't believe there was such thing. Is anyone ever rising from the dead? Is anyone ever getting new bodies? So he, of course, brought out in the verses prior that you know, if, if Christ didn't rise, then we aren't going to rise. And then what, what would that mean? So all of that he went through. But of course he said in verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead. That tense in the Greek, he rose, he's still alive. So now we see the question arises in verse 35, but some, 1 Corinthians 15, 35, but some may well, uh, some man, excuse me, will say, how are the dead raised up? In other words, how exactly does that happen? 
and with what body do they come? In other words, obviously we're in physical bodies, call them bodies of flesh and blood. It is blood that, uh, the life is in the blood according to scripture, it's what uh, animates us, it's what keeps us alive. If we lose enough blood, we lose our life. There's oxygen in the blood, we need that. All the things that have to do, medically speaking, in order to live, we require that blood. So we're flesh and blood, we're physical. And we're bound by the laws of nature. We call, for instance, gravity. We say what goes up must come down. All of those things, if you jump up, you're not gonna float a little while in the air. Um, although some basketball players may contest that, but it looks like they float for several seconds. <clears throat> it may help that they're several feet taller than the rest of us. But anyway, uh, all I know is if we go up, we come down, there's all of these things. If you go out in the water, you're gonna go down, right? It's just the way things are. But they're asking all these questions. What kind of body, how would it happen? And how would, what would be? So all those questions, verse 36. And here Paul says, you fool. It, and, he, and then he starts with the agricultural thing. He said, think about this. That which thou sowest is not quickened, that means made alive, except die. So that's true about seeds that we plant. That seed has to die. It has to, what we call germinate. Uh, all of that process has to happen for life to come forth. As, as a young child, I remember at school, we would have projects where we were all to take a watermelon, watermelon seed home and planet and then we'd see that little the little green thing come up with the two leaves now, it takes a long time to get a watermelon plant to grow and growing up in ohio the, the growing season wasn't long enough to get a watermelon you might get one about this big it never grew very big and it wasn't ripe by the time the season was over because we couldn't plant till after memorial day because of the, the freezing temperatures and we couldn't and harvest was usually labor day and that was it uh, it wasn't like in Florida where they can plant year-round. In any case, um, it was just exciting to me to see that life to come. But he's saying that's the way it is with things that we plant. The thing has to die in order to then come alive. What we plant, what we sow. Verse 37, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be. Think about it. So if you're talking about a watermelon seed, we've all seen them, you know what they look like. Of course, we, you can get the, where they try to do um, fruit now, where they get it seedless. So they call seedless watermelons. And so instead you get a few of those little tiny white uh, seeds. They don't really look like watermelon seeds, but they're trying to process. Uh, so, you know, like navel oranges without the big pits, the seeds that used to be in there and all that. Uh, but the normal process without having done that with the seedless things, we know what the seeds look like. All of us can think of different plants and what the seeds look like. But that's not what the, what, when it grows, that's not what you get, right? You get a plant and then you get the fruit. So he's trying to say it's different. He's trying to explain that the difference between our bodies now and the new bodies that we have. They're going to be different. All right? So verse 37 again, that which you sow, you sow not that body that shall be. In other words, we don't take the watermelon and put it in the ground. We don't take the tomato and put it in the ground. We take just all we all you need is the seed. All right. So he goes on. But bare grain, it may 
chance of wheat or of some other grain. So there's barley and you know different uh, different kinds of grain that you might plant. If you're talking about uh, grains, there's other things we can plant. But he said, you know, that's the case. It's different. Verse 38. But God gives it a body as it has pleased Him, and to every seed its own body. Now, I don't want to get into a whole thing about this, but the same thing is true about when you go back to Genesis and we see each species they're of its own kind. So you know, in school they well they used to say the theory of evolution. Now they just teach it as fact. They don't even use the word theory anymore. Uh, but it's some kind of idea that a different species evolved from other species. That's not what the scriptures teach. Each of its own kind. I always thought even when I was younger and they were trying to teach ninth grade biology that we evolved from apes. And I, I thought, well, if we, why do we still have apes? I couldn't figure that out. We evolved from apes. Why do we still have apes? Anyway, um, man is man, and apes are apes, and each species are their own species, and that's what the scriptures teach. Now, of course, the, the world thinks they're smarter, right, most of the world, and they've got this figured out, and that we're closed-minded, and, closed and we just don't understand. But that's what the scriptures teach. The same is true about anything. Uh, God, it's all that what God has pleased, and it's all, after its own body, each thing has its own thing. If you plant a watermelon seed, you're not going to get a tomato plant, right? If you're going to get what the seed is, you're going to get that's what it is. All of that factual stuff, this is stuff we studied in school. You all know this. Paul's reminding them, that's why he says, you fool, you all know this. So that should be understood. Verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. So we use the example about planting vegetables or grain. Now he's saying all flesh is not all flesh, uh, the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, that's animals, another of fish, and, and by the way, the plural of fish can also be fishes, both in the Old English and the New, and another of birds. In other words, they're different, right? We've got humans, he mentions first, animals, as we, we would say mammals, uh, uh, fish, that which lives in the ocean. We do have some mammals that live in the ocean, like whales, uh, but fish, uh, they're different, and birds, uh, uh, fowl, and so forth. All of that, they're each different. He says that's true about them as well. Verse 40, there are also celestial bodies, celestial meaning heavenly, the, the different things in the sky. It's gonna, you know, we, we talk about the sun and the moon and the different planets and the stars. They're all celestial bodies. And bodies terrestrial. So that's earthly bodies, things here on the earth. They're all different. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. He's trying to say it's different. Okay, there's, there's different vegetables, there's different grains, there's different um, things of life related to flesh, whether it's human or animals or fish or birds. And he's saying there's Things in heaven, there's things on the earth, they're all different. He's trying to do all this to say our physical bodies are going to be different from our glorified bodies when we're resurrected. Verse 41, there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of stars, for one star differs from another star. Glory. The same is true of all of the fleshly things, they're all different, each in their own. 
that's true about all those in the heavenly things. They're all different. The sun is one thing. The moon is another. We understand the sun gives its own light. The moon reflects the light of the sun. Just as planets reflect the light of the sun, they don't have their own light. Stars are, are as our sun. The actual stars are distant suns in other solar systems. All of that we know. They're all different. They all have their same thing. So verse 42, he says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So he's trying to, I think he's trying to point out the difference between our physical bodies sown in corruption. In fact, our bodies from the time we're born, they begin dying. It's through the process of death. We're going to get to death more in a moment as this chapter goes on. But that's, it's, it's corruption. And it will, this life has an end, this physical life, corruption. But it's raised in incorruption. It's different. It's, it's a life that will be forever then. It won't be uh, subject to death anymore. All that's going to be brought out in a moment. But we see the difference. Verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Now here's the first mention of that word glory. Other than when it was mentioned in verse 41. About the different uh, glories of the celestial body. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. You think about our physical bodies. Uh, we, have, we have restraints about things that we can do. And there's something about the aging process that all of us can relate to, unless you're a, a young person still today. I, this is something, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I think about it often now, as I go to get out of my car. It's harder than it used to be. I don't know what it is about that. Uh, but I remember as a young child, and we went to pick up my grandparents, and I know now they were no more than as old as, you know, I'm just 50 now, but they, they were that age. And I remember how they'd struggle to get out of the car, and I thought, oh my goodness, why does it take them so long? You know, so then kid, I just get out of the car. Well, now I know what that was about. Um, things are different. I don't... When, in fact, when I get out of the car, sometimes, especially if I have to drive any distance, and I don't like to drive more than two hours anymore. I used to drive to Florida like that was nothing, just drive nine hours down to Orlando. In fact, do it in the same, I'd go down on a Friday and come back on a Saturday, I used to do that. And didn't think anything about it, but now if I'm in the car, even just two hours I go to get out of the car, my body's stuck in that shape for a while. I'm trying to get myself back up again. So, I understand, but it's the process of aging and it's all part of this the, the, the fact that these physical bodies go through that you know we've been praying for uh, different ones in our church that are suffering and going through horrible things so it has nothing to do with our chronological age it's whatever is happening to us but they're bodies of weakness the physical body but it's going to be raised in power think about no, no more hurting, no more aging, no more sorrow in the sense, uh, we still will have, for those who don't gain reward, we know there's sorrow, but all the things related to this life, the physical life, will be over. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body, so that's that idea of physical. It is raised a spiritual body, so 
it's sort of hard to quite to completely the closest we can do i think the best thing we can do is look at jesus in his resurrected body what was he able to do that was different what was what was he able to do we don't have a lot of information but we have a little bit so you can think about that and ponder it and study it and look at it and you get a you'll get a few things from it uh, remember they were they were meeting in the upper room and suddenly jesus appeared now we can't just pop in and out you can watch science fiction and they have you know the old thing from the old star trek series beam me up sky you know it was teleportation you could go from one point to another and just disappear in one place and move to another place now that's science fiction right because we can't do that in our physical bodies we are limited to things we can't do that but apparently um, i would propose that from jesus in his resurrected body that that's something we'll be able to do that we'll be able to just move from one place to another like that spiritual body different and yet you think about jesus in the resurrected body he said to thomas remember he's called doubting thomas said, well, I'm, I'm not coming. you know think about things you've ever said in your life that you later regret why did i say that okay thomas said i won't believe until right so then jesus appears and says okay you know look at it. now he could change the appearance of his body too remember he did that with the two on the road to emmaus he had already resurrected right here he is this is afterwards and they and he you know they're they're saying well don't you who are you you don't even know what's just happened you know they were perplexed by that but jesus had altered his appearance but he didn't show any scar they didn't see anything that would lead them to think that that's jesus who was just crucified so they didn't know but so t he tells thomas okay you know feel the the holes look at them touch them and he said blessed are those who will not see and yet believe so we believe by faith we didn't see jesus uh resurrected but they did see him face to face but the whole point is he had a body that could apparently appear and disappear the closest thing i can think of and if you don't watch any science fiction things then this is not going to mean anything to you but there is star trek voyager it used to be on tv in the 90s and in that they had a doctor that was called a hologram so again it's like projectors anyway but it what what, what it meant is but he could turn on and off this thing where he could uh, pass through an object if he turned a certain thing off or he could turn it on and he could actually touch objects touch them and pick them up so both of those so the only reason i say that is apparently in the glorified body as jesus had in his resurrected body he could pass through objects but at the same time as he as he then showed the scars and thomas could touch him you know rather than touch him in your hand pass through him Right. so the spiritual body let's go on to verse 44 there is a natural body there is a spiritual body so paul's trying to tell us for the people that have the question how is that going to happen now i think for the most part the people with this question are really saying you know i don't believe in this anyway i don't believe in such a resurrection i think that's why some of the people are asking they 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 didn't believe and so they're trying to come up with things remember the sadducees did that 
with Jesus. With they, the whole point about the woman who gets married, her husband dies, and so she remarries, her second husband dies, the third husband dies. So they give this scenario of all seven husbands die, and so they say, ha, ha, ha. So when she gets to heaven, which one will be her husband? They think it's a joke, right? They're, the Sadducees think they know more, and they don't believe in the resurrection. So they think, oh, Jesus, okay, which one? And he said, well, you don't really know what you're talking about because um, in, in heaven, he says, they neither marry or are given in marriage, marriage, but are like the angels which are in heaven. Now, that I could get into the whole subject about angels. But angels, there isn't, as far as intimacy, that doesn't happen with angels. Only with the exception, as the angels in Genesis 6 came down to the earth and had intimacy with the women, and that created the giants. That was Satan's plan, or, or attempt, to thwart the plan of God, to pollute the DNA so that the seed, that is Jesus, could not be born. But he wasn't successful for the whole purpose of the flood is to bring through those whose blood was not, their DNA was not polluted. Of course, the scripture says also after that, so it, it continued. But, but my point is, is Jesus was trying to say that you don't understand what you're talking about. So there isn't intimacy like people think everything in a physical term. We tend to do that. We think, okay, I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but in a, in a physical sense, in order to be sanitary, we have places where we void so that it goes in a sewer and in countries, third world countries where they can't do that, it causes sickness. You know, I don't know if you know, but as many as died in the earthquake of 2009 in Haiti, many more died later from cholera because they didn't have, they just were, had to go to the bathroom out anywhere and then it was cholera. Lots, 250,000 died from cholera. See, we don't think about that because we have the sanitation, we have sewers. So, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but in our physical bodies, we eat, and the body, and the food is processed, and then something has to happen with that. But apparently, in our glorified bodies, um, although Jesus ate fish in a honeycomb, um, we know that he ate, but eating apparently is no longer necessary to sustain uh, life in the glorified body. And so there's no, no need for sanitation as we have to. Anyway, we could go on and on with thinking about it, but there, there's the natural body, the physical, there's the spiritual. Verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, which we've already studied earlier in the chapter, Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. All right, so we have one Adam, physical. The last Adam is Jesus and was made a quickening spirit that is raised, resurrected body, glorified. Verse 46, how be it is the old English word. We say, however. However, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. In other words, the first Adam wasn't a spiritual um, body. It was a natural or physical body. And then Jesus came later, the second or last Adam. Verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy, is the King James. The second man is the Lord from heaven. 
Verse 48, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. So verse 48, he's describing the difference between natural or physical bodies and heavenly or spiritual bodies. Now again, spiritual bodies, not the idea of some people think of a, a phantom spirit that floats around. Because Jesus had a body. When he resurrected, he still had a body. It's just that the blood wasn't there anymore. The blood that was shed and is placed at the mercy seat, that's what he's now acting as our high priest. When we use 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that's done with the blood. So that's the blood that kept him alive in his physical body. But now it's a spiritual body, and that's the kind of body we'll have. So they're two different bodies. Verse 49, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, so we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Paul includes himself when he says, We shall. So it's future. It will happen. And by the way, and I know you know this, but our loved ones who have died in Christ, don't have their new bodies yet. It's all going to happen at the same time. That's coming up in the next few verses. They don't have them yet. Now their souls are in heaven. And so they're with God. They're there. And they're waiting. And we'll soon be with them. We'll all be together. But we shall all bear the image of the heavenly. I don't know, some people teach that only some people will get a glorified body. I don't see that in the scripture. This is one verse right there. The next one, verse 50. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we know that inheritance is more than just, as, as uh, Jerry was talking about in Sunday school lesson, they're seeing the kingdom and entering the kingdom and Everyone, all believers will see it. Not all of us will enter. Not all of us will get the inheritance. Uh, some of us will forfeit our inheritance as far as entrance into the kingdom. But the fact is, there is no physical body that can inherit, as it says here, the kingdom of God. It can't happen without having uh, this spiritual body. Then it says, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So the two are different, and in order to be present in heaven, we cannot live in a physical body. Verse 51. Now Paul reveals something here. That's what a mystery is, something that was hidden and now revealed. Behold, I show you a mystery. So this he has shown to us. It's now here. Um, some people as though they haven't read this. But it says, I show you a mystery. We, again, Paul includes himself, shall not all sleep. Now, we know the word sleep is used in the sense of die. And he uses, I think in the scripture, it talks about it, even Jesus used it this way. Um, in the sense, when, when you go to bed at night and sleep, the same sense is when we die, using that word sleep. But he's talking about death here. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. So whether we are dead in Christ or whether we're alive when the rapture happens, we all get these new bodies that he's talking about, the resurrected, glorified body. 
Now we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians 15 in a moment, but if you'll hold your place, let's just flip over to 1 Thessalonians today. Just flip over there for a second. And I know most of you have this memorized, but and some of you have electronic devices where you don't have to flip. <laughs> First Thessalonians 4. Now, Jerry was in Sunday school this morning earlier in the chapter, but this is chapter 4. Very familiar passage, but 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, let's look at verse 13. We'll start there. 4.13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep. Again, talking about those who have died. That you sorrow not even as others who have no hope. This is to encourage us about those of our loved ones who have died. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there's the resurrection, even so those who, are, uh, who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So those of those of our loved ones who are in Jesus, who have died, he's going to bring with them. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not, the word prevent here is the King James old word, meaning precede those who are asleep. In other words, there's order to it. As we saw earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, God has an order as to everything that happens. Now the order here is, is very quickly, right? It's going to talk about the dead in Christ and then we which are alive. As far as we're concerned, we would consider what we would say instantaneously, but there is time. It is time. Uh, the best example I can give is in the Olympic races. They have those electronic eye things across there, and they know exactly who crossed the finish line first. And it's sometimes a hundredth of a second. Our eyes can't do, but we can't time a hundredth of a second. That's like taking one second and dividing it by a thousand. None of us can do that. Uh, it may be hard to do it even, even a half a second, let alone a, th a thousand pieces of each second. But it's, it's still time. It's still order. Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. I want you to keep this in mind. It's going to, we're going to cover that in, in a moment. But the trump is the old word for trumpet, so it's the trumpet of God. This is not to be confused with the trumpet judgments of the book of Revelation. As Paul is getting, uh, excuse me, as John is being revealed the details of the tribulation period, each trumpet that sounds he has shown more details. And the, that seventh trumpet is not the trumpet here. Because the rapture happens before the tribulation period can begin. And we don't have time to study that this morning. You know. Right? The trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ, excuse me, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Again, we think of it as just like that. It's not like we will see them, uh, their bodies, you know, coming up out of the grave and going up, and then oh, then it's our turn. It's going to happen like that. But the dead in Christ, then we which are alive and remain, if we're alive when the rapture happens, we shall be caught up. The two Greek, the two English words that are caught up are the Greek word 
I know people that say they don't believe in the rapture because they don't see the word rapture in the Bible. Well, rapture, and all of a sudden I'm louder. You lost it. Your, your mic's going in and out. Oh, so he flipped me to this. All right. I heard it going in and out, but that's right. Um, so I just hear an echo of myself now, so I hope you... Um, lost my train of thought. Oh, caught up. Some people say they don't believe in the rapture because they don't find a word in the Bible. But you know there's people in the world that don't speak English, so they don't have any English words. It's a translation to the Greek word. And it's cut out again. It's frustrating, but maybe... Is Okay, I'll try to keep going. I can talk louder if I need to. And that's something Jeff doesn't have a problem <laughs> okay, and uh, Satan's trying to disrupt my thinking. That's what's going on. All right. Uh, so, rapture uh, is a translation in our in the King James. It says "caught up." So here it is, "caught up." That's what this talking about. All right, let's go on. So it says, "caught up together with them," that is the dead in Christ, in the clouds. This is different from the. When Christ, at the end of the tribulation, comes all the way down to the ground. Zechariah says his feet land on the Mount of Olives, and the mountain splits. Here, he's just coming in the clouds. He's in the air. It says in the next part, to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to meet him there in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. And verse 18 is talking about the reason these verses are here is to we can comfort each other with these words. When we lose a loved one, we can be comforted knowing that we're going to be together again. Come back, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 15. So, I'll read verse 51 again. Behold, Paul says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all, word sleep meaning die, but we shall all be changed. We all are going to get the new body. Then it says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Now, I've heard people talk about a twinkling is faster than a bat of an eye and all that. All I know is, you know, our eyes, it's a natural thing that our eyes are constantly blinking. I don't know if you've ever been watching maybe a newscaster on TV and all of a sudden, for some reason, you're focused on their eye and then you can't, you don't hear anything else they're saying because that's all you see is their eye. It's... It's a natural thing. It, you know, if you have a glaucoma, that's a problem and it can cause blindness because your eyes aren't blinking like they should. And by the way, I hate that test where they shoot that. I also, it always jerks my head back. I like, uh, some doctors now use, some optometrists use this, this thing that it, it can sense the pressure and they just touch you with it. I prefer that over that blast of air. No matter, I know the blast of air is coming and I jerk my head. Okay. So you don't want to have glaucoma. I hope no one has it in here. But um, So our eyes are blinking like that. But the idea is they blink so quickly, it, it's not, you can be driving and not worry about that because you still can see. It's not long enough. It's like a millisecond in that sense. So the idea is, I think he's trying to tell us, it's instantaneous. It's not going to be like we have a warning. Right? Um, 
And so we're going to get new bodies. So like if, if it happens right now, then whatever, wherever we are right now, the clothes that we're wearing are just going to be left there in a pile and we'll meet them in the air. It's going to be like that. So there's no, no preparation. It's no like, oh, it's time now. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, there it is again. We just read it First Thessalonians again. I emphasize, and I know you know that in this church, and you've studied prophecy. But it's, there are people that teach that all, somehow we're all going to go through the tribulation, and uh, some people teach that some of us will go through part of it. Um, I, all I know is at the rapture, we get our new bodies, and then we're at the judgment seat of Christ, and that's where we then find out if we're going to be uh, get the inheritance or if we forfeited to the inheritance. But at that point, we already are there. We already have our new bodies, and now we're at the judgment seat. Happens like that. Not part of us going and all that. But And so just to have more study, if you need to study it, Daniel chapter 9 is where Daniel's 70 weeks are brought out. And so when God is done dealing with the church, when the church is complete, the fullness of the Gentiles, he come in. Jerry taught this a couple Sundays ago. When the last person who's supposed to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ happens, that's the fullness of the Gentiles. Not the times of the Gentiles, that's different. That'll go through the tribulation. But the fullness of the Gentiles. And the church is complete. And the church is raptured out. The Holy Spirit is removed from this earth. Then the Antichrist is revealed. He signs a peace treaty with the Arab nations, with Israel and the Arab nations. And they think, Israel thinks they have peace. It's a big mistake because it's not real. It's false. And you know all that about the tribulation. But that last trumpet of the book of Revelation is when he returns at the end. So this is uh, the trumpet. The trumpet shall sound. It's the one that we uh, saw. It's the reason I think it's saying the last. It's it's all. There's different things that trumpets are used for in the Old Testament. One of them is assembly. So it's our last assembly, so to speak. The church is assembled for the last time, and we're taken out. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Remember it said this corruption must put on incorruption. So raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. The bodies we now have are mortal. They're physical. They're leading to death. And unless we're alive when the rapture happens, they will die. But this mortal must put on immortality. It'll be living forever. Verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Swallowed up literally from the Greek means destroyed. Now notice the word victory here, because it's going to come up again. Um, a couple more times in the next few verse, verse 55, this is quoting from Hosea. Oh, death, where is your sting? You know, you talk about the sting of death, um, the, the power that it has to hurt. 
when we have our new bodies, death can't ever hurt us again. There will be no more threat about death. Death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? There's that word victory again. So in verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Verse 56, the sting, that is the power to hurt, the sting of death is sin. If you go back to Adam, and when Adam fell, what sin entered into the world, that's what the first part of 1 Corinthians, Paul was reminding us. The first Adam, sin entered into the world. You remember the serpent, that Satan incarnated himself in the serpent, he possessed the serpent, and told Eve, <laughs> you know, you won't surely die. But of course, he's twisting the truth, because... Um, they didn't die that day in the sense of physical death. But that isn't what God was talking about. So here we see the, in verse 56, the sting of death is literally in the Greek, the sin. It's also an article before death. And, and uh, Jerry has taught this in Sunday school. And the strength of literally the sin is the law. So remember the law if it wasn't for the law, then sin couldn't be imputed. It couldn't be counted against us. Verse 57, verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us, literally in the Greek, is giving us, the victory, there's that victory again, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll conclude with verse 58 this morning. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Okay, steadfast, we don't use the word much anymore. Stand firm. Unmovable. In order to be unmovable, we've got to be grounded. As believers, we need to be grounded in the word. Unmovable. Remember, Paul talked about the some that are swayed about by every wind of doctrine. Somebody comes along and they preach something or teach something. Oh! Somebody else comes along. Oh! Unmovable. In other words, know what you believe. Be like the Berean, search the scriptures. Whether it's me preaching or Ken or Jeff or um, Jerry's teaching or Mark Summers is teaching, Bob Patterson, whoever. We have so many that have spoken and taught. Whoever it is. Whether on the TV, whether they're written a book. Make sure you search the scriptures because that's what we're held accountable to. But be grounded. So unmovable. Always abounding, that is increasing. In the work, notice the phrase, of the Lord, because that's going to come in. That is a, it's not just work. Jerry just taught in Sunday school. Many will come, he read Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and following. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? We did that in your name. We did all this. They were busy, right? They're busy working, but it wasn't in the Lord. Increasing in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It is in vain if it's not in the Lord. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the time this morning in your word and reminding us of these scriptures. We're thankful that we will get to see our loved ones again. We're thankful that you've promised new bodies. 
We don't know what's going to happen at the judgment seat, but we pray that we will have, at that point be found faithful and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But, but with Father, we know that may not be the case. As Jerry reminding us in Sunday school this morning, read from Matthew chapter 7, that he might say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. Father, I pray that that won't be said to us, that you didn't have an intimate spiritual relationship with us, that we didn't have fellowship with you, that we didn't let you use us, that our work was not in the Lord, but it was our own self-gratifying work. Father, this is our prayer this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.